Hello and welcome to the Golden Power Hour podcast, where we are opening doors through open minds. I'm Kristen Steed. And I'm Carrie Bedore, and we're with Golden Link Training and Coaching. Golden Link specializes in growth and business development with a vision of helping people live the best life ever. Kristen, I'm super excited for our guest today, and I am wondering if you want to introduce this fabulous person for us. Oh, Carrie, you know I do. I'm telling you what, the first time I met this lady, the servant leadership vibes were strong. The warmth and the experience she created for me was so memorable. So today, I could not be more excited to introduce the fabulous Heather Gosen. So Heather is going to talk to us today about creating exceptional client experiences, and um, she has got a proven track record of working with people and just loving up on them and are authentically showing up as who she is and just creating memorable experiences for them. So as a realtor, managing partner of Berkshire Hathaway, um, Fox Cities, Chief Strategy Officer for Berkshire Hathaway Metro, a wife, a mother, a mentor. She is excited to share her secrets and how she has built her real estate business by focusing on the experience that her clients have. So get your notebooks ready and listen in because Heather is going to inspire you to take the experiences that you're creating for your clients to the next level. So we're going to dig in. We can't wait to get started. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy that you are here. Thank you so much for the amazing introduction. I'm so excited to be here with you ladies today. So Heather, tell us like, how did you get started in real estate? So I always tell people that real estate, frankly, it's in my blood. My dad was a mortgage lender in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, So I always heard sort of that real estate speak around the house. And on Sundays after church, we would go to open houses. And here as a kid, I thought we were moving all the time. And he was just networking with real estate agents. Um, I knew at some point in my life, I would fall into this industry. I just, I love helping and supporting people. And um, I love houses and the idea of home ownership. And we did move a lot as kids. So now the idea of helping somebody find home is very, very near and dear to my heart. Whatever that home looks like to them, um, it's very special to be a part of that. And um, and I absolutely love it. What a story. You know, that is. And it's so interesting when you talk with people who have like a lineage of my parents were here, my brothers there. We had a mother that was in the title industry and then we had real estate and lending. So I totally get it and relate to where, where that kind of comes from. Heather, how long have you been a real estate agent? Uh, 13 years. 13 years. And then, so you didn't start in real estate. So what did you do prior to being a real estate agent? Yeah. So prior to real estate, I did a a number of different types of jobs and careers, but most notably, I was actually in advertising and marketing um, locally here. And that background has honestly really helped me to springboard my career because I was able to take some of the concepts that I learned there and apply them to my business. 
obviously, you know, marketing is near and dear to my heart. And you, what you've done, though, is something that is really, really hard to do when you're growing a new real estate business. And it's not just being the most knowledgeable that you can about the real estate business. You've really taken a step to say, how can I treat my people well and give them such a memorable experience with me that they decide to come back with me? And, you know, that seems like your business has just grown and grown over the past 13 years. And I'm just really excited, Heather, for you to kind of share with us what your secret sauce is to um, really taking a minute and focusing on that client experience like you've done building your real estate business over the last 13 years. Because you don't get to your resume that you have now without doing things right along the way because obviously discovered something that is working really, really well for you. Well, yes. Thank you. When I first started to me, the logical side of growing my business was to get in front of clients, give them the best experience possible so that they would tell other people to use me. That seemed easier to me than going out and constantly fishing for new business. And we know from corporate America, it is more cost-effective to keep people in your world than to constantly be finding new ones, whether that's an employee or a client. So I kind of thought, well, if I just do a good job for them from day one, get them through closing, give that an amazing experience to that client, and then maintain a relationship and continue to give them an experience beyond closing, then why wouldn't they want to come back to me? And why wouldn't they want to tell their friends about me? So you're really focusing on your past clients, your current clients, your sphere of influence, and getting that repeat and referral business because of the exceptional job that you've given them, correct? Yes. The majority of my business is repeat referral and agent to agent referral. So the concepts that I apply to my buyers and sellers, I also apply to other real estate agents. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Can you dive into that a little bit more? What you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. When I'm marketing to other real estate agents throughout the country, it's, it's one thing to get in front of an agent. It's another thing to build that relationship. So, you know, they always that that old adage, you have one chance to make a good first impression. So if that lead comes up or that name comes up, what I attempt to do on the front end is, is make a really good introduction, offer high level of value from the very beginning, stay in communication with them. And then if and when I get a referral from them, I apply a very similar gifting strategy to that agent referrer as I do to my clients. And it has paid off. I've gotten multiple referrals and repeat referrals from uh, agents across the country. Oh, that's just amazing. It's, it's really interesting because statistically, top performing agents report that seven out of the last 10 transactions that were closed were from referrals. And yet I constantly see agents wanting to focus on everything other than the people that already know them. Like you've created raving fans. You've helped them through this process. You've proven to agents that sent you a referral business that I can take your referral and I can see it all the way through the, to the end and give them a good reputation. It, it, it just, it boggles my mind to think that people don't, focus on this more? Like why aren't more agents taking the time to just really build that exceptional experience with them? 
Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. We also know from statistics, the most likely time that someone is going to give you a referral is during the transaction. So why not give them an over-the-top amazing experience while you're in front of them so that they're happy and that they refer you out? And let's be honest, not every transaction is easy, but that doesn't mean that you can't still get referrals even if the transaction is difficult or things are happening outside of our control, which inevitably they will. It's always about how we're controlling that relationship, that conversation, and that experience with that client. If I could, Heather, I love what you just shared there. And in my opening, I used the phrase, right? Servant leadership. Mm -hmm. I am a huge student of servant leadership, love the philosophy. And one of the first times I had met you, one of the things that we had shared was your name had been mentioned multiple times prior to us meeting in person, because people were raving about the things and the experiences that they were having with you and not just clients, people you work with colleagues, um, vendors, and other business professional relationships that you have, people could see that you were doing things different. And so hearing you tell this journey about some of the things that you're specifically doing to create this memorable experience that keep, keep people coming back, it makes me think of, I'm also a fan of Simon Sinek and discover your why and the whole concept of the golden circle of, you know, what Simon Sinek recognized is that great and inspired leaders communicate in a different way from the inside out. You know, they go, why, how, what, when a lot of people go, what, why, and then how, and they kind of make it a little bit different. And so hearing you talk about even the challenging transactions, right? Thinking about these experiences of like, what have you seen? Because like, what, what the point I'm getting to here is what you do naturally is not easy for a lot of people. I think it takes a great deal of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, the ability to read the room, to read the body language, the nonverbal communication of other people to start to indicate like where the ebbs and flows of the experience is starting to change. And I, I feel like what you've dialed into through years of experience, right, is how to create this experience, whether it's smooth and great or rocky and scary, like you're able able to adapt and adjust to the people that you're working with to create a consistent environment that at the end of it, no matter what the journey had been like, it is memorable, it is pleasant, and it is something that people would come back and do more of. You know, so when I think about that, like, how do you go through, like, what, what do you see? Like, does that, what did, what I just say resonate with you in any way to how it is that you make these adjustments to create these experiences for everyone that comes into contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. It, it absolutely resonates. I, I completely, I couldn't have stated it better myself. I think that a piece that sometimes is missing in our industry. And I think just in society, if I'm being honest, is the idea of humility and extreme ownership. We are the face of the transaction. Whether we like it or not, everybody remembers that that transaction was tied to that real estate agent. I just, I'll be honest, earlier today received a phone call that one of my listings received a low appraisal. 
we all have had that experience. We have to deal with it, but it's how you deal with it and how you handle it in a way with your client that you you own what you can own and you help walk them through it. And you do it in a way where you're offering grace, humility, understanding, respect, own it. Mm -hmm. If it's your mistake, own it. If it's not your mistake, own it. It is my name on the sign. It is my name on the brand. Whether I made the mistake, the lender made a mistake, my assistant made a mistake, it's my mistake, no matter what it is. And when it comes to an appraisal, is it a mistake or something that I can control? that I believe gives more respect back and forth with that client to show that, that I'm, I'm willing to own something. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to fix the issue or make the outcome as positive as it could possibly be. And by the time I got off the phone with her, she was thanking me and she was very grateful that, that I was able to retain what I did and get her the value that I was able to get at the end of the situation. Mm -hmm. But I just believe in extreme ownership. And there's a book Jocko Willink wrote extreme ownership, read it. Um, that talks a lot about that. And, you know, truly putting your client first, trying to understand walking in their shoes, not having a chip on your shoulder, not having that arrogance or that attitude. It's really just, we need to, I think, run our businesses in a little bit more of a humble, hungry, and smart way. Mm -hmm. Well said. That is well said. The the point I want to make too with that, I love that humility and extreme ownership. And you had mentioned your gifting strategy, right? When I think of, when you look at these two pieces together and the thing that they say about experience, right? Is people might not remember exactly what you said and did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And I love your real world scenario because the way we decide to act in those situations do create feelings. Like if we do not have extreme ownership, if we do not recognize how it may be our responsibility as the one overseeing the transaction and the interactions to help protect our clients from the emotional ups and downs that can come through all the twists and turns, like even with a great gifting strategy, like when they see that gift, when they see it even days, weeks, years beyond the interaction, that is going to spark some sort of feeling or a remembrance of a feeling that the experience created. And so when you think about how important there are different pieces of this strategy that are so critical, because without humility and extreme ownership, the gifting strategy can fall flat. So I love that you named that because it is so many different pieces where, right, the sum of the total is greater than any of the individual parts that when you put it together, that's how you create that experience. So thank you for, for sharing that. And if you don't go into, if you, if you take on a gifting strategy and you don't go into it with authenticity, people can see that a mile away and you're right. It it can fall flat or it can look like you're trying to buy them or smooth something over. It can feel disingenuous. And that's, that is not what I want to do. So may I dive into some of my gifting pieces? There's a couple of notes. <laughs> Wonderful. There's a couple of notes I want to share for listeners that are there's there's I always say there's a method to my madness, but there's a couple pieces I want to mention. Um, when you are doing a gifting strategy, whatever you gift, make sure it is of the best quality. Nobody wants junk. If it's something that you personally wouldn't like to receive or wouldn't use, do not give it out. The other piece there is be mindful of what you're putting your logo on and what you're not. And I 
walk that line. And I talk to my assistant about it almost weekly on, should we brand this? Should we not brand it? And the reason I like branded items is because we all know that for tax purposes, you get to write them off at a higher level, which is awesome. However, you also don't want to put your logo on everything. You do want those gifts to be mindful, thoughtful, generous, and sometimes it can also fall flat if if your name is slapped on everything. You want to make it about that other person while you're tempering, helping them remember and tie it back to you and your brand. So when I am working with a seller, for example, the very first gift that I do is prior to ever meeting them. So if I know that I have a listing appointment coming up, I either physically drop off or courier over to their house a gift. And what that gift is, it is a custom bag. And at this point, because we haven't met and it is a business transaction, I do feel that having the logo on this gifting product is appropriate. So it is a custom shopping tote with my logo on it. Inside of it is a marketing folder with some marketing information and setting the expectation of what we're going to be talking about when we do meet. There's also a customized thank you card in there saying, you know, thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I look forward to meeting you next Thursday at 3 p.m. If you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out. And there are two or uh, there's a coffee mug in the bag for each decision maker, typically two. Those do have my logo on them. Inside of it are high-end chocolates and local coffee. And they're tied up beautifully with cellophane and a ribbon. And one of those gets tucked into the bag for each decision maker, along with that informational folder, the thank you card. And I'll give you my my little trick here. In that folder is a keychain with my brand on it. And if you walk into that listing appointment and a key is on that keychain, you know you won before you <laughs> even sit down and talk with them. So it 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 always softens the experience when you're sending something ahead of you that tells, that makes it a little bit more about that client, what they can expect. Here's some, some free information. I include a blank condition report in there so they can fill it out. Um, They have some homework ahead of time. It makes the listing presentation process a little bit smoother, a little bit faster. um, And it sort of diffuses any concerns, I think, ahead of time that that seller might have of who is this person coming into my home. It's a warm, soft introduction. So that's the first gift that I give. The next gift that I give is after I've got, I don't bring a gift to the listing presentation. I do bring presentation materials, but I don't bring a gift at that time. But the next gift I give is after we've signed the contract and it's photography day. I always show up for photo day and I bring a gift. And that is a very nice candle with my logo on it. And it says, enjoy the fragrance. We will find a buyer before the wick runs out. So it's very cute. It's, you know, it's tied back. It's not kitschy. It's something that they can use because it's a scented candle. And I always make sure that my scents are very specific. They're not something that is going to be very flowery or offensive. They're typically citrus or fresh, which most people want in a home anyway. Um, And I gift that along with a thank you card of thank you so much for choosing me. I look forward to marketing your home. It's an, again, branded logo, little shopping bag, little gift bag. And they get that gift at photo day. The next gift that I bring is when we have an offer, not when we accept an offer, when we get an offer and I'm going out to meet the client. And unless they are not local, I always go physically and sit down and meet with the client in person. And I have another little gift bag and inside of it is a little mini bottle 
of champagne or Prosecco or something that's bubbly and celebratory. And I bring it and they say, congratulations on getting an offer. Whether or not you accept this offer, that's not the point. Any offer is a reason to celebrate. So they get their Prosecco or their champagne. We go over the offer. And uh, that's always a, just a nice little touch to have there. The last gift that I do on the listing side is, of course, their closing gift. And that really, it depends. I do have a system with this, and I, and I do recommend systemizing it. Typically, what I do is a custom cutting or charcuterie board um, with a bottle of um, wine or um, champagne or something like that. Sometimes it'll, there will be a gift card with it, maybe for some you know something else to go along with it. Um, or sometimes I will do a piece of Cutco cutlery. But typically it's something that is a much nicer gift. It's a little bit more personal. And when I give a, a charcuterie or cutting board, it typically it has their name on it. So I have it custom engraved for them. Wow, that is killer. I can't imagine the impression that you make when you're walking into a listing appointment and they've already received a gift from you. Like what's the response that you get from your people? Like what do they say about everything that you're doing for them? Because this is just a little part because you back this up with exceptional service that you're yes. getting is just another layer just stacking that experience, aren't you? Yes. And you, and you have to, if you're, again, if you're just giving somebody gifts and you're doing a terrible job, the gift is almost offensive, right? They go, Oh, I don't want another thing. You know, you have to make sure that you're, that you are backing it up. And again, it doesn't mean it has to be perfect. It means that you have to give your best and you have to be genuine. You have to work hard and you have to be authentic with it. But typically what it does is it, it, it makes people smile. It makes them feel cared for. It makes them feel good. And who doesn't want to make people feel good, especially during one of the most challenging times in their life. Let's be honest, buying and selling homes is extremely stressful for the client. And so if there's a little thing that I can do to bring a smile to their face or help them feel cared for or thought about, great. Why wouldn't I do it? Absolutely. And I think it's amazing, Heather, that you are willing to share this strategy. Most agents will, will want to do it, but they're not going to build a process around it because there's a lot that goes into what you just said that you do with your gifting strategy. You have to create the marketing materials. You have to source the products. You have to get the products there. I mean, by the time all that stuff is done, like you have not only an invested interest of money, but time and you're making that as part of your business process. And I, and I feel that that's an execution strategy that if somebody's listening and they're like, I really would love to do this. Can you talk a little bit about your planning process around like, how do you get this done? Like, how do you find all these things? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it didn't start off this way. <laughs> it grew to this, of course. Um, and there was definitely trial and error. I used to gift different things and sometimes they would fall flat or, you know, I wouldn't, you don't hear the thank yous as much or the, that people really use the gifts, things like that. So I tweaked it and honed it. I got rid of some things. I went back to some things, um, but it was definitely a process of figuring out what worked for me. And I also, like I said, in the beginning, want to give things that I would use myself. I don't want to give anything that's junk or I think can end up in their, in their garbage can the next day. There's a couple resources and I'm more than happy if anybody wants to reach out to me, I can share some of my resources and websites that I source some of my products from. I also do have uh, an assistant that a big part of her job is to make sure that this part of my machine is running well. 
I would, some recommendations I would make is once you figure out a product or, or an idea that you want to use, see if you can buy it in bulk, as long as it's not something that can perish. So for example, some of the, the cutting and charcuterie boards, it took a while to source some of these boards. And I tried different products, um, you know, physically, I'd look at them, touch them, feel them. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't buy another one or I'd, I'd find a different one. Once I found one I liked, I ordered those in bulk. And then I made sure that I had that in stock and I found a local engraver to bring one off. You have to think about shipping and timelines as well. And something that I ran into during COVID was I had found this company that sourced the most beautiful mahogany cutting boards. They were stunning. But during COVID, the entire operation shut down and I was scrambling going, oh my goodness, what do I do? All of my stock is out on a ship somewhere at a port in California and I'm not going to get my cutting boards in time. <laughs> this really happened. So we had to come up with a plan B. So you have to kind of think ahead sometimes or life just happens and you, you learn how to pivot, which is fine. Um, so now we've sourced some different cutting boards. We have a stock of them. We can drop them off one by one locally. So our turnaround time is a lot quicker and we have a lot less risk with that. Um, so that certainly helps. And then of course there's cost savings. If you can source things in a larger quantity, you're, shave, you're saving on shipping, butting up against those deadlines, those sort of issues. So it can take a little bit to figure that out. I would recommend whatever you do, think scale. You might only have 20 clients right now, but if you ever want to grow to be 200, think about your process. And if you can't scale it now to 200, don't invest the time in creating the system around 20. It's just not going to make sense for you. Oh, that's good. That is really good. Your whole gifting strategy is the way that you tied the marketing and the branding to bring it back to your name, because that within itself is just a genius part where, for instance, on the pre-listing, you're bringing the marketing folder to them. I'm assuming you probably don't talk a ton about your marketing on that initial listing appointment because you're making it more about them where you're not talking about yourself, but you've given them the information on that first meeting just by being very by being very intentional with what it is that you want to give to that client on that specific time. I mean, even your candle, sell your house before this wick burns out. That's genius. That is just witty. And they're probably going to think about that every time they light a candle. Like, you know, every time I light a candle, I'm thinking about Heather Gosen and she's probably selling a house right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I borrowed that from another real estate agent out in California who deals with luxury clientele. And I loved it. So I borrowed it. His name is Brady Sandal. Go check him out. He's awesome. And a lot of this is, are there bits and pieces, right? That's why we do this. And that's why I'm here is so that we can learn and share off of each other and be better together. A rising tide lifts all boats. But to your point, Carrie, I, I don't actually talk a lot about me in my, my I don't in my pre-listing packet at all. And I talk very little about myself in my listing presentation. It's, it's not about me. You have to make the client the hero of their story. So the gifting strategy also has to tie in with that. It can't be, you know, Heather Ghost and Heather Ghost and my name everywhere. It's that also will fall flat. You have to make sure that when you're working with them, gifting them or whatever it may be, that it's always tying it back to them feeling like they are the hero of the story. So, I love that. It, Carrie, if I could hear, cause you know, I, I love that 
you put them in the center of it as, as they should. I also love Heather, as you're talking through your strategy, I love how authentic it is to you. I think that that's a part of this that is also beautiful. And Carrie, I know you mentioned the fact of like the sharing, right? When you think about creating cultures and you think about creating experiences, we talk about sincerity, we talk about authenticity, you know, someone could try to take your process and implement it exactly as you're doing it. And it just might not fit right. Cause even when you had said that the first offer, you always present it in person. That is when you bring like the champagne or something bubbly that is very intentional and authentic to you. You know, strategically you've identified a reason in your customer, your client journey, you know, why that part matters. And so I love that each of these touch points are so intentional and in, in how you've designed and created that. So that is fantastic. Um, the second part of that is, is where did you learn this? Like, how do people know, like, this is what I think is so fantastic. Even the whole concept of putting the client as center of the story, this is their journey. How did you discover that? Where are people teaching agents on how to do this? Or did you like go through it the hard way or did you observe it or did you experience it yourself? It might be a hard point to find the origin of it, but I just want to name this because there's so much quality and like oozing through every point that you're making that makes my head spin to say like, where do people discover how to do this? When I got into real estate, probably the, the best thing that I ever did was I looked around my office and I said, who is running a good business? And who is running a business like I want to run? Not necessarily the biggest business, not necessarily the most amount of sales, but who is running their business in a way that, that I would want to run my business like theirs. And I just pushed myself into their world. And I realized very early on, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room or I'm in the wrong room. So I constantly seek out opportunities to learn and do better and sharpen my skills. So I would encourage any new agent getting into real estate or anybody that just maybe wants to refresh their, their business, go do that. There's nothing new under the sun. All of this stuff that I've honed, I've just kind of collected and pieced together. I didn't come up with any of this on my own. I learned from other agents, from trainings, from having wonderful mentors and coaches and a lot of trial and error. And I'm not afraid to mess up. And I go, you know what, if I spent thousand dollars on a bunch of product and it's crap. Okay. Well, lesson learned. Don't buy crap next time. Um, you just, you have to, again, extreme ownership and just be willing to, to seek out people that are smarter than you and that have done it different and go, well, how can I, maybe I don't want to do the candle. Cause that just doesn't feel like me, but maybe I could do um, a different type of a gift, or maybe I could do a sports theme if I'm really in sports or I could do whatever, just, just make it true to you. But I, I read a lot of books. I have an amazing business coach. I would highly recommend to anybody listening, if you do not have a business coach, get a business coach. Oh, and by the way, there are two ladies I'm sitting with right now. That would be a phenomenal start. Um, <laughs> and, and you ladies are not my coaches. So you know that I'm not getting paid to say this. <laughs> but, um, you know, read, seek out help, go, you know, just, just go and ask. Um, and I tell any new agent coming into our office, and I have for years, even at prior companies, 
I am an open door. Come and ask me. I will share everything with you. The reality of it is, is that it's that 80-20 that rule, right? 20% of the people will actually follow through and do the things, which is which is why I'm not, I don't mind sharing because I know not everybody, even if they hear this podcast, not everybody is going to apply these to their to their business anyway. But come and ask. I'm more than happy to share and to teach and to coach and help um, anybody that's looking and set, if they wanted to apply this, not just to their real estate business, but um, this could work for insurance. It could work for any sort of reciprocal client sales business. You can apply these methods and strategies to growing a bigger business. That is such a good point, Heather. I think that anybody that is listening to this and they're working with clients and they want to create an exceptional experience, there's just tidbits that you can take in and out. And what I think is really interesting about your gifting experience too, is the points in which you decide to give a gift. It's not typical places that would feel awkward because you mentioned that. I'm just curious what's different about when you're working with a buyer in your gifting strategy versus a seller gifting strategy, because it's a different process. So I'm assuming that you might have a different gifting strategy with your buyers? I do. Yes. And it's, it's less, fewer gifts on the buyer side until the closing gift. And because it's really more educational. So what I do with the buyer is I, I insist on doing a buyer consultation and get them in person if possible, like physically in person, not just a zoom in person. And the first time we sit down, I give them a very nice informational packet and we're, we're kind of honestly toying back and forth. Uh, my, my assistant and I have been talking about what is the best gift for a first time meeting with a buyer. I have some very beautiful um, travel drink cups that are very nicely done. We're toying around with that. We've tried um, coffee. I have custom coffee that I've actually picked out the from the bean to the flavor to the to the grind and everything in between and built my own label for it call it home sweet home coffee um i've given that out but then for them it's you know similar thing upon accepted offer for them though is the champagne let's be honest in this market i might be writing 10 offers with a buyer before we go under contract and i just i don't want to get anybody drunk accidentally so we just wait <laughs> until we wait until we're under contract. They get that that little bit of a of a surprise there, and then we wait until closing and give them the closing gift. I post closing though for both buyers and sellers. There is throughout the year I do a number of client appreciation events, so that's more gifting throughout the year as well. So you're just like a real estate Santa Claus, right? You're just constantly bringing bags of goodies to make everyone feel joyful, aren't you? <laughs> It's so much fun. I love it. It's, it's, I love giving stuff away. Honestly, my assistant half the time has to hone me in and go, you don't need to spend more money. Let's, let's just, you know, let's stop. That's enough. And I'm like, no, it's okay. I think I'm going to be sad if I miss this opportunity to say, go, go, go. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't. I love it. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. That is great. Heather, this is just, you know, I think it's fabulous the way that you strung this together and you really focused in on how you can really, really help 
that client, not just, it's not necessarily about the gift itself, but it's about the meaning and the passion and the authenticity behind it. And, you know, Kristen mentioned that this just comes through you so naturally. I mean, your passion is just oozing about how you can treat your clients this way. And think that it's so amazing to see that you could put a process together like this. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. If you could go back, let's just say 12 and a half years, what advice would you give yourself when you were looking to, when you were thinking about that idea of leaving your advertising job and getting into real estate? What, what advice would you give yourself 12 and a half years ago before you got into the business? I would tell myself to get a, a, a real estate coach or a business coach from day one and build a database and feed it and talk to it daily from day one. Because if you don't have a database, you're not going to have a gifting strategy. <laughs> um, oh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't have that advice going into the industry. So it took me a long time to get where I am now, where I probably could have gotten there a lot quicker had I had those two pieces. Amazing. Amazing. Kristen, do you have any other questions for Heather today? Heather, you know, maybe it's more out of curiosity. So the gifting strategy and creating the experience, very strategic on the business side. Does this take place in your personal life as well? Mm. Well, like, is it as intentional? Is it as, as thought out? Like, is it as experience or moment driven? I, I just curious. It, it's, it's interesting that you say that. And I don't know that I've ever tied those two together, but now as I'm thinking of it, probably yes. When I have people come over to my house, I'm very mindful of how they feel in my home and what their experience is like as well from clean home to candles, to music, to the food I'm offering, to the wine I'm serving. But I don't think I ever put that together until you just said it. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty intentional on, on all of those pieces. Awesome. And I will declare, so I do a lot of work with um, Gallup Finders, and one of my top talent themes is ideation. And one of the things that I recognize in my life personally is gifting is a block for me. It is very stressful. I struggle with it. And the reason being is I feel so deeply about things and I'm very passionate and like over the top enthusiastic. And so since I cannot find, you know, baby unicorns and four leaf clovers every single day and, you know, like eternal life and the fountain of youth, like, cause nothing there, I seem to, at times I cannot find anything that would express my gratitude in the way that I feel it in my heart. So I become paralyzed. And then that paralyzing feeling leads to me not doing anything, not expressing my appreciation. And so then I become disappointed that I didn't seize the opportunity to do something. And so I will tell you personally, and in Carrie knows this, like my mom's birthday, like any special event, like I start to get really tensed up because I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to get. And I get overwhelmed by all the choices, but what I am taking away from this, that is so personally valuable to me is I love the structure and the system. I love this opportunity to say that like, instead of being paralyzed and not doing anything, just come up with a plan and some, a few things in your back pocket so that you're ready to go anytime. And because it's not about me and it's, it's, it's really about celebrating the moment. And I have learned, and I will tell you, this is a funny story for me because 
one of the most memorable gifts I received came from the days in which I was working in the mortgage industry. And I want to say it was somewhere in like the early 2000s where there was a big boom happening and you didn't, there were no income, no asset loans, like right stated income. Things were just so busy and we were working really, really hard. And I'll never forget walking into my office and seeing a little votive candle with a handwritten thank you note. Right. And think about the cost of a votive candle. Like it just, it wasn't expensive. It wasn't elaborate, but it was, I see you, I appreciate you, you know, and I, and that what to me was so memorable. And I try to remind myself of that all the time is that if you're getting started, it doesn't have to be big and overwhelming. It doesn't have to be perfect. Something is better than nothing to show someone how much you appreciate, or I see you, I recognize what you're going through and I'm here for you to do that. So I just wanted to pass that along because this is a sore spot. Anyone who knows me personally know that like gifts totally stress me out and I love how systematic your philosophy is. And I was curious to see if there was any translation over into personal life. May I give you a tip? Yes, please. Take out your phone, create a note that just says gifts. And as you see things throughout the year, write them down. Or if it's January and your mom's birthday is in October and she mentions, gosh, I had this amazing glass of wine out to dinner with my girlfriend. It was a such and such bottle. Write it down. Yes. And do that when, when your family and your friends give you tips and triggers of, of things that they've done or they've experienced, just jot a note down. And even if it's an experience and it's not a physical item, if you can tie something back, if they said, oh, I went horseback riding, it was so wonderful, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't gift them a horse, right? But you might be able to come up with a gift that themes back to that experience. And that might help you when the birthday is coming around to have a better idea of what to give them that's more meaningful and authentic to them. And again, you're making them the hero. It's not about giving the gift. It's not about you going, oh, crap, I got to get mom a gift or I'm going to look like, you know, the jerk sister. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I got to get something. Totally. It, it, if it's yeah. And if so, if it's not the right gift, it's not worth doing. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that you're giving something that makes sense. And so that. if you start to take notes throughout the year, that is my tip. And that's helped with my, with my own family quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. I like, I, I actually did it as you were saying it. So I have the note started in my notebook. I can start putting those things there. And I think that is a really great tip, especially for my personality type, because I think I, my mind is going a million miles a minute. And so I get to crunch time and it's time to go. And that's where I become overwhelmed, where if I already have a stockpile of some ideas or concepts, then it's quicker to execute. It's easier easier to execute. And then all of a sudden gift giving doesn't become so stressful. So thank you for that. I do have a second question and we taught, we touched on it a little bit, but I I also, I just want to bring it around as well is when we talk about experiences, I actually did a training this morning. We were talking about questioning strategies and I'm a big believer in, you know, the desire to create a loyal clientele base, you know? And so I love your recommendation around, if you could go back 12 and a half years ago, like build that database, 
feed it every day. And so when we talk about experiences and we talk about like satisfaction and loyalty, you know, the thing that I talk about is that, you know, every business has a small number of people who might not be completely satisfied. You know, something didn't go the way they expected. Um, Maybe there was a problem that was unresolved. You know, bulk of people can fit into this, like, hey, I was satisfied. My expectations were met. My, My needs were met. The problems were taken care of. And then there's that slice of people who are just loyal, right? Like they, they think of you first when they have new needs, they um, come like they refer their friends and family to you, right? Like they give you raving reviews. These are the people that we want to grow like in, in our databases essentially. And we know that this happens because of the experiences that we create and deliver. And so a lot of the work that I've done in the past say that three ways to develop really great loyal clients is by exceeding expectations, anticipating what their needs may be, and preventing problems from happening in the first place, right? And so when I think about the gifting strategy and the things that we've talked about and the radical ownership and the humility and how you handle yourself, is there anything that you would add in terms of experience delivery, right? So when you think about the experience delivery of this concept of anticipating needs, exceeding expectations, preventing problems from happening, what else would you say is critical in the experience delivery process that maybe you haven't touched on yet? Is there anything else? I'm just trying to squeeze every drip out of you. (laughs) Yes, and I'm so glad you asked that question. Because the other side of the experience delivery is the communication. And I mean, if we had another half hour, I could, and I'm happy to stay and talk, but it, again, it's, it's great to deliver something that's, that's physical and makes them feel good. The other side of that is how I'm communicating with the client from prior to us meeting to forever. Um, so, and that is also systemized. My assistant knows that one of my biggest pet peeves is when my client comes to me with a question before I answered it. I would rather, so for example, a couple weeks prior to a closing, I send out information to the client about their utilities company, who they should be calling to change utilities, a reminder for closing, here are the next steps. And I do this throughout the entire process, but for the sake of the story, we're about two weeks out from one of my closings. And right about now, about two weeks ahead, I send this information out to the client. They reached out to me hours before I sent my email out and I'm kicking myself because they asked me before I got to tell them. So that's a huge thing for me is, is sharing that information. So they go, oh, that's perfect. I didn't have to ask. Oh, I was just thinking about this and she answered it. She must be reading my mind. That's the other side of that experience. That's the intangible that is paramount for this entire system to really work as flawlessly as it does. So I have an entire system built out with the communication and and when and how and what we're communicating with them, again, from the before we even meet all the way to the end of closing and beyond. That's brilliant. I know. I love it. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. It it is brilliant because whether the transaction is going well or it's got challenges, it's, it's really that communication piece, how you get out of it. You know, we used to use a term when I was working in banking and it was a service level experience. And often 
when there is something that arises that's not fun to talk about, like low appraisals or maybe a listing that the offer is going to be canceled because of financing and you got to go back to the drawing board. You mentioned this yourself when you were talking about this, Heather, it's how you communicate it, right? And that is obviously not necessarily part of your gifting strategy, but definitely part of your client experience. And if you can take massive ownership in saying, hey, I, you know, this happened and I am so sorry about it, but here's the solutions that we can talk about and making them feel you've got their back and you're communicating with them, that's really when you can start creating some raving fans. And so the transaction didn't go smooth, but my agent was so amazing at communicating with me what my options were. I would recommend anyone to use her. (laughs) That's, That's really where sometimes you can shine is when things are not going well. And that's where you can really focus on anticipating the needs and providing exceptional communication with them. There's basic things that need to happen, but man, when those things arise, you can really, really shine if you have your strategy dialed in. Absolutely. And it, there, it's, there's a lot of risk mitigation. When you have strategies and systems in place, you're less likely to make those mistakes. And when you're setting those expectations ahead of time and communicating with the client of what is supposed to happen, what those expectations are, when something happens outside of that, that really, to your point, does give you the opportunity to shine and show them what you're doing for them. That's what they're going to remember that they're they're going to remember, gosh, this happened and I was so stressed out, but my agent really helped me through it. And that is to the point that this whole podcast was about is how you make someone feel. And so you can make them feel amazing by giving them a beautiful scented candle, but you can also make them feel amazing by communicating with them that we have solutions and I'm here for you. And they're going to feel confident with who they chose as as their agent. And that's going to sit in and they're going to remember that just as much as the gifting strategy. So the fact that you can push that all together, like phenomenal. Well, I I say, I tell people I am the, I am the CEO of my business and CEO stands for chief experience officer. So I would challenge everybody that has a business, no matter what that business is, is as you sit in your chair, what is the experience that you are giving to your client and where can you improve? I love that. Heather, at the beginning of this, we told people to get their notebooks ready. And I'll tell you what, like I've been writing feverishly, like all sorts of tips, tricks, and takeaways. I absolutely love it. If people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Absolutely. So they can find me at my website, which is just my name, heathergosen.com. They can email me at heathergosen at gmail.com or they can call me. Fantastic. And for those of you listening, we will put all of the contact information for Heather in our show notes, but Heather, thank you so much for being here. Like you exceeded expectations. I loved hearing about all the amazing things that you're doing and why they, why you do them. Um, it's, it's really no secret why you're just crushing it in the world of real estate. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun, ladies. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah. So that's all we have for today's uh, golden power hour podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more ways to develop and grow your business, check us out at mygoldenlink.com. Have a great day and stay golden.